Good morning, church family. Good morning, both here and at home. So lovely to see everyone today. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Romans. We are in Romans chapter 8. And we're going to begin at verse 18. So I'll give you a moment to locate that in your Bibles. But we are in the book of Romans chapter 8. And we're beginning at verse 18. When you have it, can you please read along with me wherever you are? I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the doing of his word. Praise the Lord, somebody. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to be here with you once again. God is good. Amen. His mercy endures forever. Praise God. Praise God. We are um, finishing this series of sermons off entitled The Blazing Center. In fact, the, uh, the Evangelical Covenant Church, our greater body, um, has uh, asked uh, the pastors to preach uh, after Easter on uh, the Holy Spirit, on the Blazing Center. Amen. The work and the presence person in the work, excuse me, of the Holy but it's also the presence of the Holy Spirit, the work in the person, the person, the work of the Holy Spirit. So I'm excited about finishing this off. I'm not because it's ending, but because of uh, the power of the Holy Spirit and the opportunity to uh, preach on the blazing center. Uh, 
It is uh, the power in our witness. Let the church say amen. He is the power in our witness. His power is our power in our witness. I want to, uh, let's look to God in a word of prayer and then we'll get into the scripture. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we're grateful for this time together, this opportunity to come together to give you praise, glory, and honor. For truly you're worthy. Um, we are, um, we stand in awe of your power, your strength. You are so amazing. Truly, we uh, wish that we would withhold nothing from you. God, we ask uh, for this day that the Lord has made, that you have made, that we would actually rejoice and be glad in it. God, thank you for this opportunity to come together virtually uh, and in person. And we pray uh, for safety for God's people. In the same way, Jesus, you prayed uh, for our safety uh, before you left this earth before you were killed, before you were murdered, we pray for safety uh, for all of our people uh, because it's an unsafe world out there. But we're safe in your arms. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right, the children of God, we are, somebody say, we are the children of God. Amen. And it's in Romans 8. And Romans 8 is a great scripture to preach on from when we talk about when you want to preach or teach or learn about the Holy Spirit. We're in Romans chapter 8, and um, we're going to uh, actually finish off that chapter, if you will, um, this morning. Here in the scripture, and I'll give you context, um, the new church in Rome um, had been learning about sin and how the law makes us conscious of our sin. So here's this new church, a bunch of Greeks in the church, non-Jews, um, Jewish people, who uh, were the first Christians, of course, and now here the, the message has spread out to Greeks alike, and they're learning how to be conscious of their sin, and the law does that for them. They learned that no one is righteous by what they do because they will ultimately always fall apart, right? And that's why no one can boast about how great they are because Romans 3 and 23, Paul says to the church, for all have sinned, right? Famous scripture, and fall short, continue to fall short, present active indicative, fall short of the glory of God and that we are only justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Let the church say amen. And that redemption came to us because of our faith in God, in God through Christ Jesus. And so it is our faith in the Lord that we choose to be led around each day by his spirit, knowing that his spirit will lead us into all truth and teach us what the Lord has commanded us to do. Right? Being led around by the spirit puts us in a very different place in life. Paul calls that very different place in life. He calls it the realm of the spirit as opposed to the realm of the flesh. Anybody want to be in the realm of the spirit instead of the realm of the flesh, right? Realm of the flesh meaning a very self-centered, a very self-indulgent life. I want you, if you uh, write things or type things, write this or type this. Any practice that places you at the center is not for a disciple of Jesus. Any practice... I don't care what it is that places you at the center 
is not for a disciple of Jesus. Jesus must always be at the center of everything we practice and teach. Can I read just a little bit to give more context to Romans 8, Romans chapter 5, 1 down to 5. And you know I read fast. Look at Romans chapter 5. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith. How, how have we been justified? Through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access. How have we gained access? Through whom? Jesus. Through whom we have gained access. We have peace with God. Right? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. You know, you're standing in grace. Amen. By your faith. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. People don't want to hear that. We glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. What does suffering produce? Anybody know that to be true today? <laughs> suffering produces what? Per, per, I'm going to persevere, somebody said, right? Suffering produces, we know that suffering we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character what? Hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Remember that word hope. He gives us hope here through our perseverance, through our character, and then through character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. How has God's love been poured into our hearts? Through the Holy Spirit who he has been given Holy Spirit has been given to us. Our suffering for the good news of Jesus Christ produces perseverance, right? You saw it. And out of per perseverance, character, and out of character, hope. We have hope. And hope in Christ does not put us to shame, it says. In fact, because of our hope, God pours out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who he has, given, has been given to us. Now we're in our scripture for this morning. I gave you context. He's talking about the sin of people and how the law makes us conscious of our sin. And here we are in verse 8, I mean chapter 8, verse 14. Go back a little bit from last week into verse 18, but go to verse 14. Look at verse 14 in Romans chapter 8, and it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are what? The children of God. Let me read that again. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, are what? Are the children of God. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you are a child of God. Amen? You're known as a child of God. The Spirit, verse 15, you receive does not make you slaves. Remember, you're free. Amen. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. To sonship. You're a child of God. Amen. And by him we cry, what? Abba, Father, because we're a child of God. We are children of God. We cry as the result of being led by the Spirit, called as a, then as a child of God. And as a child of God, we have been adopted and we are sons and daughters of God. And because of that, we can therefore cry out, Abba, Father. Everybody can't cry out, Abba, Father. Well, they can cry it out, but it doesn't mean anything. Right? Verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies 
with our spirit that we are God's children. Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We know because the spirit of God tells us, testifies to us that we are God's children. Amen. Now, if we're being led by spirit, we're God's child. And if now if, verse 17, now if we are children, then we are heirs. Amen. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed, this is the hard part, we're heirs with Christ, co, right? We're heirs, right? And co-heirs, right? If indeed what? If indeed we're heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed, hard part, we share in his sufferings. Christ died not so that we couldn't suffer anymore. That's a huge mistake I see people talk about, especially on social media. Oh, by his stripes we're healed. No, we're reconciled. We're reconciled. You're still going to go through some stuff, and you might not get through it physically. It happens to very faithful people who love the Lord. They pass away. That happens. That's not because of their lack of faith. Don't try to explain it another way. Some things we cannot explain. Right? If indeed we are co-heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, Wait, we got to share in his suffering? Yes, in order that we may also share in his glory. Come on, somebody. In order to share in his glory, we have to share in his sufferings. This is not easy. Right? There it is right there. Because we are children of God, we share in the inheritance of God's throne. Makes sense. And we share that with Jesus himself. Wow. In Matthew 5, can I do this? In Matthew 5, you don't even have to go there, but in Matthew 5, some of you know Matthew 5 pretty well right now because we're completed three weeks in Bible study on Wednesday night at 7.30 in Matthew 5. Matthew 5, famous scripture, Jesus at the mountainside, the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are, right? Blessed are, right? Blessed when you're blessed when people persecute you, say all manner of evil against you, for great is your reward in heaven, right? All of that in Matthew 5. In Matthew 5, Jesus tells his disciples, if you're persecuted, you're blessed. If you're persecuted for righteousness sake, if for righteous sake, if you're if you're persecuted in my name because you're doing things in my name, the kingdom of heaven is yours. And great is your reward in heaven. That's Matthew 5. And then he says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world, right? Jesus calls his disciples, tells his disciples that the kingdom of heaven is, is theirs, the great reward in heaven they have when we are persecuted in his name. That's how we get to be called great in the kingdom of heaven and great, how great our reward can be in heaven. So this sharing in his sufferings in order to share in his glory, Paul talked about is spot on what he talked about in Romans 8 because really he's just in a sense repeating what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. Writer type this, I will do, this is an encouraging word today, I will do righteous things that may bring me some hate in order to share in Christ's glory. I'm, I will do righteous things 
that may bring me some hate in order to share in Christ's glory. Don't worry about what people will say to you if you're practicing the right thing. If you're doing the right thing, we've had to have more tough skin, right? Not be tough because we're tough, because the Holy Spirit empowers us and gives us, and we are glorified, we are magnified in the world when we're doing Christ's work in the world, when we are actually Christ's body in the world, when we're Christ's kingdom in the world. I will do righteous things that may bring some hate to me in order to share in Christ's glory. I want you to see something. Being led by the Spirit is exactly the same as being led by Jesus. Being led by the Spirit is exactly the same thing as being led by Jesus. I grew up uh, Presbyterian, come on somebody, and then I became Baptist, come on, and then I was the Church of God in Christ, come on somebody, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah. And, and I was ordained in the African Methodist Episcopal Church and then transferred my ordination into the Covenant Church, right? And I understand um, and see, uh, I've seen a whole lot. Maybe I've seen too much. <laughs> uh, and I've seen people say, I'm, oh, I, uh, I'm just being led by the Spirit. And they do things that don't look anything like anything Jesus would ever do. <laughs> and I'm saying today that being led by the Spirit is exactly the same thing as being led by Jesus. Here's what I'm going. Here's where I'm going. There is a parallel between Matthew 5... Sermon on the Mountain, side with Jesus, and Romans 8, Paul preaching, teaching a young non-Jewish Greek church who were not under the laws uh, before uh, Jesus came to the earth. Jesus is telling us, here's the parallel, in Matthew 5 and Romans 8. Jesus is telling us how to live in the world, and Paul is telling us how to live in the world. Jesus is telling us how to live in the world, and Paul is telling us how to live in the world being led by the Holy Spirit. They both reference temporary suffering and both reference eternal reward as a result. And both Jesus and Paul's instructions lead us to an intimate relationship with the Father where we are recognized as God's children and God is recognized as our Father. They both do that. Jesus' teaching leads to us to praying, our Father who art in heaven. Anybody know that prayer? That's, that's Matthew 5. His teaching leads us, Jesus' teaching leads us to pray that prayer. How to pray that prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. And Paul's lecture in Romans 8 leads us to cry out, Abba, Father. One is led by Jesus in Matthew 5, while the other is led by the Holy Spirit. There is no difference. What are you saying, Pastor Holder? There is no difference at all between the two. Between being led by Jesus and being led by the Holy Spirit. Can the church say amen? They are both countercultural. They, they will both make you unsafe in this world, but safe in his arms. They are both sacrificial, and yet they are both extremely liberating. They both answer the question, how do I live from day to day in this world and that, there is no, and that there is no comparison between the suffering you will experience here and the glory you will get in heaven? No comparison between the two, between the suffering 
and the glory. You'll get glory and receive glory in heaven. Hallelujah. And I think that's for always. This is temporary. Come on, somebody. Verse 18, look at it with me. Here we are in the scripture for today. I think I gave you enough context. Don't worry. I'm, all, I'm already halfway through. Come on, somebody. Almost halfway through. I consider, verse 18, that our present sufferings are not worth comparing, do you see it? Verse 18, with the glory that will be revealed in us. I didn't say that. Paul said it. The Bible says it. They're not worth even comparing our present sufferings with the glory that will be revealed in us. Somebody say hallelujah. The creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Oh, I shouldn't even went there yet. Listen, but it's not only the glory we'll get in heaven that's greater than the suffering that we will receive on earth. It's the glory that will be revealed in us on earth as well. Verse 19 again. Look at it. For the creation waits in eager expectation. Let me go back so you can see it in context. Can I go back just for a second? I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Got it. For the creation, why? For the creation waits in eager expectation for the, for the children of God to be revealed. Creation, did you get that? Is waiting for the children of God. The creation wants to point to people, can I make it plain, they can call God's children. They're waiting for it because they need you. God set it up that way. Let's say it again. I will do righteous things that may bring me some hate in order to share in Christ's glory. The world is waiting for you. If you see hunger in the world, that's the world needing you. If you see injustice in the world, that's the world the world needing you. When those in prison are not being visited, not being helped and cared for with compassion and love, that's the world needing you. When particular populations are being targeted to suppress their vote, that's creation needing you. When black people jog and get tracked down for four and a half minutes and executed like an animal to be hunted, the world needs you. Creation is groaning for you waiting in it for you to be revealed. Will we reveal ourselves in the world? I don't know what my purpose in life is, Pastor. I don't know what my purpose in life is. That's your purpose. I just gave it to you. In fact, I didn't just give it to you. The Word gave it to you. That's your purpose right there. Right there. Verse 20. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom and glory of the children, there it is again, of God. That's why the title of the sermon is, We Are the Children of God. You see it enough, don't you? That's what you and I were created to do. Write this down, type it. You are the remedy to creation's frustration. You 
hear me, are the remedy to creation's frustrations. God called you to take creation out of bondage and into freedom. God called you to do that, to take creation out of bondage and into freedom. Hallelujah. He's called you to take creation out of bondage and into freedom and glory that his children possess. Let me say that again. He's called you to take creation out of bondage and into freedom and into the glory that his children possess. You are called to bring creation to Christ so that when they have gone through Christ, they may be found, come on somebody from last week, in Christ. And be led by the spirit of Christ and enjoy the freedom and glory that you are enjoying or will enjoy when you are being led around by the spirit of the living God. That only the children of God can enjoy life and peace in the spirit. Taking people out of bondage and bringing them into the marvelous life just as Jesus did for you. Not because he can't do it all by himself but because he's given us the privilege to participate in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why. Because we're his chillings. My daddy used to say, because we're his, we're his chillings. <laughs> Amen. Verse 22, look at it. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Groaning, the whole of creation, since childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, if you ever had a child, you know what it is to groan right up until the present time. And it's time to give birth. I don't know that pain. But listen, I respect that pain. (laughs) <laughs> we know that the whole creation has been groaning in the pains, as in, in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, because we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We're giving out the love and all those things in Galatians 5, right? We're giving out those fruits. We are, are the first, we are, in a sense, we are the ones that are the witnesses. We're part of the first fruits of the Spirit. Come on. I love that. And, of course, they, they are part of the first fruits of the Spirit because they're part of the first few uh, new churches. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the, have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies. I see how the creation groans, right? Right? Up until the present time, and not only that, we ourselves are groaning, right? Inwardly, even those of us who are the first fruits of the Spirit, right? Uh, Groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption, our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. A lot of groaning going on, right? 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 Let me say it this way. We ourselves as children of God have frustrations. Why? We're waiting for the redemption of our bodies. We have frustrations because our bodies, come on somebody, are subject to harm and decay. 
we have frustrations because that's the part of salvation that we have yet to receive the redemption, hallelujah, of our body. So we are subjected, subjected in this world to harm and time to decay. If you don't know, keep on living. Some of y'all are on the uptick. Wait till you get on the downward slope. Come on. <laughs> Verse 24, look at it. Help me find it too. Verse 24. You know, I got so, after I showed you my Bible, you were like, can you read this? Because I got so many notes in my Bible. Well, thank you. For in this hope, we were saved. Right? We eagerly wait for the adoption to sonship, redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. But hope, I need to just stop right there. Let's just stop right there for a second. Part of our salvation is the redemption of our bodies, right? This is a part of our salvation we haven't received, as I said. And in this assured hope, in this faith, we were saved, right? Now go on. But hope, that word hope I mentioned earlier on, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Wow. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Can I go on? Somebody say go on. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. How does the Spirit help us in our weakness? Remember all that groaning? We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. We don't know what we should pray for because what we are hoping for, the redemption of our bodies, may not happen for a while. We can't stop us on the downtick. Come on, somebody. So we don't always know what to pray for in that. And in verse 23, it says we groan because we're eagerly waiting for the redemption of our bodies, right? That's why we groan. And, and in verse 26, it says, so the Spirit groans for us because we don't know what we should pray for, right? Makes sense. And the Spirit groaning is Him interceding for us, right? So here it is. The Holy Spirit is praying for us. And in, give you an example. In John 17, I preached for it on it, I think, Easter. In John 17, we find Jesus praying to the Father for us. Watch this. And he's praying for what? For the safety of our bodies before their redemption. That's what he's praying for. Jesus is praying to the Father for the redemption of the of disciples, of his disciples' bodies. He prays for the safety of their bodies, right? Before their redemption. And he's praying for the safety of our bodies when his body is about to be crucified. And now here in Romans 8, his spirit is interceding, praying for us again to the Father. Apparently, we groan inwardly with words. That is, we are able to articulate at some level our frustration with our unsafe and decaying bodies. I say we apparently have some words to define our frustration because Paul contrasts our groans with the Holy Spirit's wordless groans. Why didn't he just say that we had wordless groans? 
He compares our groans, because uh, obviously, apparently, we have some level of articulation of what we're groaning about. I'm tired. Body don't work like, come on, somebody. He's comparing our groans, where apparently words have words, with wordless groans of the Holy Spirit. It seems then what the Holy Spirit is doing uh, uh, is better articulating our groans further, more deeply, by uh, uh, defining our groans, our current needs in prayer in a way that words cannot express. Your needs, what does that mean? Your needs right now are so deep that only the Holy Spirit can pray fully about them for you. Only the Holy Spirit can bring definition, articulation, depth of insight for you and I. We need the Holy Spirit to pray for us because we do not know exactly uh, what to pray for. I guess, somebody might say, well, I guess this is just how it's going to be. My body is, you know going to wait to the great by and by to kingdom come till I go to the kingdom. I, I'm just going to wait. I, I'm going to be dancing later, but not right now. I guess this is just how it's going to be. I'm just going to live with what I'm dealing with. How many times you heard that? Someone listening to me right now needs to hear this. You have resigned yourself to buying your time until that day, but I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit is praying for you. And like I said last week, the Holy Spirit gives life to your physical body. He is interceding on your behalf, the Holy Spirit, with groans because he knows what you're going through and with specifics about what to pray for because he knows you better than you know yourself. Hallelujah. Let's read verse 26 together because y'all can help me find it. Amen. Verse 27. Verse 27. And he who searches, read with me, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Father knows both you and the Spirit. The Father searches our hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit. And so the Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. The Spirit knows what you need because he knows the will of God for your life. Verse 28, I love going straight down scripture. Verse 28, and we know, can you read it with me? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now we have context around that very fame. There's about three or four famous scriptures right here, right? That people love to quote. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So whatever, in other words, whatever struggle you're going through because your body has yet to be redeemed, right, context, God is working inside of your physical struggle so that good may come out of it for you. Did you get that? In all things God works together. He's working inside of your struggle your physical struggle, because that's the context, isn't that right? So that good may come out of it for you. That's deep. I need to say that again. I should have put that up on the screen. God is working inside of your physical struggle so that good may come out of it for you. Because you're called according to his purpose, right? You're being led by the Spirit. You're a child of God, right? Sonship, daughtership, right? Children of God. 
This is all contingent upon us, again, being the children of God because we are being led by the Spirit of God. Right? That's uh, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. That's the contingency, right? This is contingent upon us living according to the Spirit because if we're doing that, then we're free. And the thing that's arguably the biggest struggle is our mortal bodies. First, if we're free, what's the biggest struggle? Our mortal bodies. Think about it. That's true. Look at verse 29. For those God foreknew, that's why he's saying that there, he works in all things, right? We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according. If you're living by the Spirit, your biggest problem is not, a challenge will probably be in many instances your mortal body. And in all things he works for the good of those who love love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's very specific if you read it that way. Verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Hallelujah. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Remember, we're co-heirs with Christ. We're children of God, co-heirs with Christ. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. So we might be conformed to the image that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So we become co-heirs with him because we are being led by the spirit of God. And verse 30. And those he predestined, he's predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. I know that's a lot. But let's say it this way. This is about your destiny. The Father predestined you to be conformed, to be molded into the image of his Son, right? You are on the right track. I'm encouraging you today. You are on the right track. Live it out now. You're on the right track. Live it out. Now's the time to live out the track that you're on. He's called you. He's justified you. He's glorified you. He's given you power and magnificence to be his light in the world, to be his salt in the earth. You may not know it, but you have everything you need. And even the things you are going through right now, God is working in them, even in your physical body. He's working in them for your good. Hallelujah, somebody. Verse 31, down to the end. What then shall we say? Now, we just went through a famous scripture. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to to his purpose. Another famous scripture, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Right? That's hope, right? You can have a lot of hope in that. If God is for us, you want some hope? Just say it, right, and believe it. If God is for me, who can be against me? Right? Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, more encouragement, but gave him up for us all. How will he also, not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Hallelujah. We have everything we need. Now I want you to see how it goes back to the beginning of Romans 8. Look at verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? 
God before us. Who can be against us? Who's going to bring any charge, a real charge? It is God who justifies. Hallelujah. When, who then is the one who condemns? No, 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 no one. Jesus Christ who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also, hallelujah, interceding for us. So now you have the Holy Spirit interceding with you, for you with wordless groans because you can't fully articulate what you're going through. And not only that, Jesus is interceding for us on our behalf also. So we have two, the two, we have two persons of the Trinity interceding for us, both the Spirit and Jesus. I think we're in great shape if we're being led by the Spirit. So that we may be called the children of God. As we wait for our adoption. Come on. The full redemption of our bodies. Hallelujah. Verse 35. Look at it. Who shall. There's another famous scripture right. Are we on at least three or four famous scriptures. Who shall separate. Somebody read it with me. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Keep going. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Hallelujah. Notice that all these are all physical challenges. Y'all hear me? They're all what kind of challenges? Physical. Context, right? He gives life to our mortal bodies. We're waiting for the redemption of our bodies. That's right, Romans 8 and 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him in all things, even in the midst of our mortal bodily struggles. All these challenges are physical here, right here. They are all mortal challenges. So trouble, hardship, persecution, famine nakedness, danger, or sword. You see that? They're all mortal. Verse 36. As it is written, for your sake we face death how long? All day long. We are considered as sheep to be what? Slaughtered. Do you see that? We are unsafe how long? All day long. But I tell you that these present sufferings to, does not compare to the glory. Come on, somebody. That will be revealed in you and I. That's the encouragement. And they far outweigh what we're going through. Amen. Praise God. This is powerful. Verse 37. I love this scripture. No. In all these things. Inside of all of these physical challenges, did you get that? In all these things, we are what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. That's powerful when you think of it that way. Write this, type this. You will do more than conquer your trials. You will do more than conquer your trials. You will do more than conquer your physical trials. Sometimes we get so caught up in the fact that, oh, if we could just get through this physical challenge, 
but you're more than a conqueror. You will do more than get through your physical come on, trials. You will bless the Lord by being a witness in the world, being salt and light being led around by the Spirit, you will do more than conquer your trials. You were meant to do more than that. You were meant to do more than that. I want to encourage you this morning, there is more to your life than getting over your own troubles. You've got work to do. You've got a creation who's groaning and waiting and anticipating waiting for you to be revealed. You've got a calling on your life. You've got a destiny to fulfill. You've already been justified. You don't have to justify yourself to yourself or to anybody else. And you've already been glorified. You've been illuminated. You've been magnified to be Christ-like, to be conformed to the image of his son in your neighborhood, in your community, in your city, and in your world. And know that nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Remember that you are in Christ because you went through Christ. So you are wrapped in his arms because you're in him. That won't change. What you do now in the world can change. And if you do what Paul tells us to do in the world, the world will change. Will you change the world? You can change it. For you are a child of God. You can change it because we can change it because we are standing your feet the children of God.